0: And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torrin Kearns, and for the first time ever, I am joined live by the Autism Sage herself, Mama Baden. How are you?
1: I am great! It's so exciting to be in the same room while we record! And, and- of course it's exciting to have actually met you in person, so...
0: Oh yeah, we've, we've actually never met in person, you know, we've been doing this podcast for like a year. And we're doing this the bootleg way where we're like crouched in a small area with one mic because I spent the last hour trying to get two mics to work and all it did was force me to have to reboot my computer like four freaking dimes. I'm not a tech expert, folks. But Stacy, what are we going to talk about today? While well, we're gonna talk
1: about something related to technology, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about screen time because I've been getting a lot of questions about screen time from my parents. Uh, so this is the deal. The deal is that parents are given advice, limit screen time, don't let your autistic kid have any screen time because they're never gonna socialize and all these things about screen time. And I feel like it's no different than I don't know, sugar, cookies, chips, everything's in moderation, right? I think screen time is necessary for several reasons and we'll talk about that. But I also think that there are boundaries that need to be set, but you should set boundaries on everything, right? Um, You should have a plan for when you're gonna use screen time and how are you gonna use screen time and also have just free screen time for your kiddo because we all have
0: free screen time. Do you use your screen time? Well, it depends on what type of screen time. So, when I think screen time, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, screen time for autistic children, mm-hmm. what I'm thinking is kind of they all have like iPads. Some reason they all have iPads and mm-hmm. they have like games or they have like some sort of AAC device. Mm-hmm. I don't use any of that, I don't have a tablet, for example. I definitely utilize a lot of screen time as a method of self-regulation. Mm-hmm. I watch a lot of YouTube videos. I listen to a lot of music. And I listen to music on my computer and my phone by count that screen time. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think of as screen time. So I guess, yes, I do. I spend way too much time on social media, like most of y'all. Well, at, at least some of y'all. Mm-hmm. I spend too much time on social media. So, yeah, I do get a lot of screen time. But I'm not sure if it's in quite the way that a lot of you... Are using screen time for your autistic kids? Mm-hmm.
1: I think that the this is what I find the dilemma is. The dilemma is that kids have access to their parents' phone way too early because parents give them the phone to appease them because they don't have another strategy. It makes in them place. shut up. Yes, it does. However, um, and I'm a firm believer in children do not get access to adult phones. But people can parent in any way that they choose. That's just my rule in my household and always has been. However, there is a benefit to screen time, and you said self-regulation. A lot of kids, especially when they come home from school where they have not had access to their sensory needs or they've just been engaging, engaging, engaging and participating, they need to just sort of hyper-focus on their
0: screen. Hey, I'm from the future. I should have caught this when Stacy said it live, but... When autistic people, in particular autistic children, are using screen time, they're actually not hyperfocusing. it's the opposite. They're vegging out, they're sort of recharging their batteries. It just looks like they're hyperfocused because large amounts of time will go by if left unmonitored, but think of it more like how you'll get really into a Netflix series and suddenly, oh crap, it's two in the morning. It's sort of like that
1: whether it's an ipad whether it's a computer which i'm not even sure if kids have access to that anymore at home but or or even if you share your phone with your kiddo right not everyone has a tablet so thinking in terms of screen time is beneficial and it has a purpose but you should have boundaries set so one of the things i often have to remind parents is if you're going to offer the ipad or whatever screen time access they have You have to set limitations, right? So how many times do they get it per day? When do they get it per day? You can't just give the iPad and then when you're disgusted three hours later, say, give it back to me. You can't do that. You have to like put some boundaries around it. So screen time has a purpose for self-regulation. It's also leisure time, but technology is a job skill. Like it's a job skill. So keyboarding is important. Kids need to know how to like type in to find stuff, search on stuff. One of my homeschool students actually uses Alexa to find the answers. (laughs) He's smart. Yes, exactly. There are actually some kids that I've heard that are, Alexa is actually facilitating verbal communication. Like they're actually talking and practicing communication just by
0: talking to Alexa. Um, That kid's going places because he's thinking outside the box. Exactly. He's like, why do this math problem myself when I can have the computer, which has access to Google, Give me the answer. Yep. That kid's going places. Yep. You're using your time wisely. So
1: when, when I think of screen time, I think of what it can be used for, but how do we use it? Um, but I do want to talk, Torrin, in terms of one of the things that my parents always get information, especially from doctors or therapists, is don't let them have the iPad at all, right? Don't let them get on any screen time. Don't let them watch TV. Don't let them do anything. But what do our kids learn when they're watching YouTube?
0: What are they actually picking up? That you can make money as professional vlogger. <laughs> that's not
1: what I was thinking. That's so funny. They pick up language, vocabulary, scripts they can pull from to actually communicate.
0: See, I didn't think of that, but you're absolutely right. Yes. Like, we do. And I, I think that's, that's, that's actually kind of mind-blowing. Because I think of, so for example, I think of my aunt Mm -hmm. who is, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. She's very old fashioned, let's Mm -hmm. just say. So like technology, she doesn't adapt to super well. And the idea that like people spend all their time online for both my aunt and uncle is like foreign and kind of pisses them off. Mm -hmm. But I never thought of. If you something like YouTube videos can teach you things like scripts mm-hmm. and how to engage socially and things like that because you don't when you think of YouTube you think of like cat videos like DIY has set up two microphones which yep. led to nothing with my computer crashing three times so but yeah you you can learn skills
1: oh yeah and and kids learn like how to read they learn their alphabet they learn numbers they learn counting and I always tell parents the reason they're learning from the iPad or the YouTube or the television, whatever it is, is because they don't have to process facial expressions and process us talking to them. They can take it in, it's the same, it's consistent. So every time I watch that YouTube video, it's gonna be the same tone, the same marker, the same. You can pause,
0: you can rewind.
1: Yep, yep. So it's beneficial. So we wanna allow them to have it, but It's not just give it to them and just let them run free, right? That's where you have to have routines around. So this is my advice. This is my advice to my clients. You decide how much screen time you want your child to have. That includes um, YouTube, iPad, television, whatever it is. So if you decide your child can have four hours of screen time a day, you structure it and put it into the routine that, okay, when I need to sit myself or cook dinner, that's when they can have their screen time because I know they will be occupied and I know they're gonna be learning something or if they just need to decompress on the iPad. So you do it in in a way that it benefits you, but also they're getting something from it, but you set the boundaries using your visuals, using a timer, letting them know when they're going to get the iPad. You can use visuals even, um, some of my families use uh, like technology tickets, right? Like you know in class when the teacher gives you like a homework pass, So they can get like a ticket for 15 minutes of iPad time, right? And then that's great. And so mom can work with another sibling on their homework while they're on the iPad. So if you use it strategically, the problem is parents don't proactively think about how to use it and what the purpose of it is. The other part is parents will say, well, if I give it to them to use for the games to learn, right, they're just going to play and go to the apps that they want to go to. Okay, fine, fair enough. I would do the same thing, right? Like, why would I choose work over play? Uh, no, I'm gonna choose play. So, that's where you use your visuals. You're gonna do this first, you're gonna practice your math app, and then you practice your reading app, and then you can play whatever farm animal, whatever it is that kids vote. Then you have one more thing to practice, and then you move on. Well, so, you, you can have, have to routines. supervise them for that, though? You have to actually parent and supervise, yeah. You but the do. whole
0: point, Stacey, the whole point of giving someone an iPad is you give it to them to get them to shut the hell up. Yes. Like, take this, go to your room, and leave me alone. (laughs) I'm watching whatever the newest, like, dumb reality show on ABC is right now. exactly. So this is what I
1: always say. If you use the visuals, initially, you do have to supervise. But once they get the hang of it, you don't. You really don't. Because the visuals will communicate it to them. It does. I know I talk about visuals all the time, but they really do work.
0: No, it's true. One of the things, actually, you mentioned a bunch of stuff, so I have like Mm -hmm. a bunch of like questions, Mm -hmm. but one of them is, you know I love to play devil's advocate. Yes. So, you mentioned how it can teach them scripts and sort of social interaction, things Mm -hmm. like that, but because it doesn't have the visual processing, the eye contact, for example, the having to read facial expressions, yada, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, you... Could an argument be made that you're not actually teaching them that much? Because in the real world, you can't rewind the person's face.
1: No, you can't. However, if a child is... So, for example, kids who are what we call gestalt language processes, right? They're going to pull scripts and they're going to use scripts. So they may say something that... I think there's like a Peppa Pig or something that kids watch. Where Peppa Pig has a phrase they use all the time to make their friends go out. Or whatever it is. The dog or whatever something they're doing. So what kids will do is they'll pull that script because they've seen it in the scene and then they'll use that one script for several different things. Now the key is parents have to figure out the code, the key, right? Yes. Um, But that's beneficial because guess what they're doing? They're communicating. That's what we want. I don't, you know, you know where I stand. I don't care if they're looking at me, looking at the ground. I I could care less where a child's looking. I need you to be able to communicate and express yourself and if you have to do that with scripts... Scripts are used, and you know, I, autistic adults always tell me they still use scripts. They always tell yes. me they still use scripts. They just change as they get older. Yeah, They don't use Peppa Pig scripts. They use another script from something else they've pulled.
0: Exactly. One of my concerns is, I'm someone who uses scripts. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize until we started talking about it when we did this podcast mm-hmm. that I use scripts. But one of the issues that like, so here's an example that comes up. When I was working in youth development, mm-hmm. there was a show, me and my friends, like, it was actually a parody of an actual show, a mm-hmm. uh, uh, show with Dragon Ball Z, which a lot of, like, people, like, boys and men in, like, their late 20s and 30s grew mm-hmm. up watching. And there's, like, a parody called Dragon Ball Z Bridge where they dubbed the, the characters and have them say funnier stuff that you kind of think the characters would have said in, uh-huh. in the actual show. And at one point, two of the characters facing off are facing off, and the villain says, "When well, I'm done fighting you, you're gonna cry like a bitch." And at the end of the, at the end of the fight, the the, the hero is crying, and he mm. goes, "Oh my god, you actually are crying!" Mm. And it's a funny line. The problem is, certain phrases get stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. So I was at work the next day, and one of the kids who tends to cry for attention. Mm-hmm. So whenever another kid says so-and-so's crying, we just tend to ignore it. So they say so-and-so's crying. I'm like, whatever. And I see, and he was crying. And I go, oh, my God, you actually are crying. Mm -mm. I'm like, oh, crap. So, like, I worry about scripting because moments like that, Mm -hmm. I would have moments like that all the time where some of the scripts I would use would then come out. Gotcha. Like, at one point, I told a little kid, stop bitching and moaning. And I said it, and I'm like, crap. (laughs) But,
1: But this is what I always say. We all learn a little bit, a teeny bit, through scripts. You know my background, speech therapy, right? So when you think about kids who are learning language, what do we tell kids when they're little? We say, say please, say thank you, that's a script. Say hi, how are you doing? Um, Ask for cookies, I want cookies please. Those are scripts, they're just presented in a different way. So kids initially, just like they learn to read, they memorize the letters and the words, and then they end up being able to do the comprehension. It's the same with language. And the reality of it is, I don't care how they're doing the communication. I just want them to be able to communicate. And we can shape and mold if if listeners don't understand, at least you have a start where kids are communicating, because if they don't, then we just lose that whole
0: communication thing.
1: We need to accept the scripts. It's Okay.
0: And I think another question parents would have, because I know some parents who have some. I know one parent who has a child who he's not autistic, but he is definitely neurodiverse, neurodivergent, I believe is the proper phrase. And a big issue they have is once they give him the iPad mm-hmm. or the phone, getting it from him is a pain yes. because he'll 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 start crying and yelling. Not as much anymore because he's a little bit older. He's eight now, but when he was younger, three, four, five. Getting the piece of technology from mm-hmm. him was very, very difficult. So what do you do for that? Right. Because I'm sure it's, that's a common issue. A common issue. And I'll tell you where it starts.
1: It starts when they're two years old, they're one year old, and parents give them the phone. They don't set any boundaries. They just give them the phone. Because then, they'll
0: cry if you try to set boundaries.
1: Then grandparents or mom and dad get them their own iPad so i always say don't give them and say oh here's your ipad say we have an ipad you can use it at these times because when you give something to kids they're like i own it i make the rules you can't take it away from me the other thing is i'll go back to not setting the boundaries in the beginning right so when they don't set the boundaries in the beginning kids don't it's hard when you think of it this way Your boss never tells you what time you have to leave work. You finish your work, you leave when you're done, right? Then all of a sudden your boss says, hey, 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 wait a minute. We're all supposed to stay till four. You're like, oh, nobody said that I had to stay till four. I did my work. Like, what's the problem? Why do I have to stay till four? It's hard to shift that change, right? Now they want to set a boundary, even though you've been doing what you needed to do. So with kids, I tell parents who have kids that are um, really um, struggling with relinquishing that tablet, you have to do a whole reset. So I say you have to do five days, no technology. Five days, no technology. Do sensory, do movement, go outside. Five days, no technology. You come back on day six, you do a reset, boundaries, visuals, make the rules, and you implement it, you reinforce it, and that's how you take it from there. It's really that simple. It's it's simple, but you have to be consistent and parents have to follow through. A lot of times parents get busy and don't follow through. Kids are really good at loopholes. They're really good at loopholes. Oh, They're really yeah, good yeah, totally. At loop holes. Um, so I think that it's a matter of knowing that screen time, ha- screen time has benefits. And one is communication, vocabulary development. Um, kids learn a lot of um, academic stuff on uh, technology, but also they are picking up um, some of the show's really good social cues that the kids learn just watching, I think it's Peppa Pig. Where they do all these like little social scripts and the kids learn from it. They really do. And they learn much easier than they do listening to us tell them because then they have to process us.
0: Yes. The, 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 so for older for older individuals, mm-hmm. like teenagers, pro teens teenagers who still utilize a lot of screen time mm-hmm. for things like self-regulation and stuff. And I mean like When I say utilize screen time, like sort of traditional when you think about an autistic Mm -hmm. person, not like they watch a lot of YouTube videos for fun and things like that. But like actually utilize it as part of their like uh, self-care routine. Mm -hmm. What are some some of the challenges you face with that? I have some in mind, but what are some Mm -hmm. of the challenges you see with like preteens to teenagers, for example? People who are independent enough to like have their own iPad, Mm -hmm. for example. Yes. So one
1: of the things is parents have to realize we live in a time now where technology is our leisure time. Parents are on their phones, on Facebook, on Pinterest. They are checking whatever it is, playing the games, all those things, candy crush. So we're modeling leisure time on technology, but not wanting our kids to have leisure time on technology. That's not right. You can't do that. The other part is, um, a lot of autistic teens, that's their socialization, online gaming, talking to friends through the gaming because it's easier, right? It's not that sort of in-person and all the things that come with that, you know, just the in-person can be difficult sometimes. So my thing is this, most teens don't want to talk to their parents. Most parents don't want teens on their technology because they're not engaging with the parents. Teens, autistic or not, don't want to talk to parents. That's not what teens want to do, right? They don't want to hang out with their parents and have conversations about their school day they want to talk to their friends or they want to go on their technology or they want to game with their friends so it's actually a very for lack of a better term sort of typical developmental stage where they kind of stay in the room or they don't want to engage all the time now i'm not saying we should just allow our teens to never engage you have to decide what your family rules are if your family rules are everyone eats dinner together and that's what we all do and there's no technology then that's your family rule. That was our family rule. If we go out to dinner, everyone has their phones. As soon as the food is ordered, everybody has to put their phones away. I put mine away, the kids put theirs away, and then when we finish, you can get your phone. That is a family rule we decided as the grown-ups.
0: A lot of people just don't think about what their rules are around technology. And it also takes some extra work to enforce them, especially if you haven't been enforcing them and now they're teenagers. Yes. It's going to be hard Oh yeah. and there's going to be pushback. Yes,
1: yes. You can't, you can't allow um, free access to any technology screen time when they're little and then all of a sudden at 10, 12, decide to change all the rules. It's going to be really difficult and they're going to push back. And they should push back because your boss said you got to stay at 4 now and that's not what he told you when you got hired, right? So you have to think about what you want your family dynamic to be like But you also have to remember that there is a really good purpose. And I think that it's hard for for anyone to understand that screen time is self-regulating. But we do it. I mean, when we are... Okay, this is my funny story. When I go out, when, not often, but when I do go out, right, to dinner. I think it's hysterical to see the couples who don't want to talk to each other and they're both on their phones.
0: (laughs) I do that with my friends. Like, we'll be, like, eating out or something, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk for a little bit. Then at some point, both our phones come out, and we're just not socializing at all. We're just on, like, social media. Yes. But you'll
1: see the couples who are like, we're just out to dinner because we want to go out to dinner, but we really don't want to talk to each other. We don't really like each other. And that's not what you should be doing when you go out to dinner, right? I'm not saying that you and your friends. I'm saying that. No, I agree. It should be sort of, I'm from the South, so mealtime is a social time for us, Right um however for a lot of autistic kids the socializing during mealtime is just too much so we we don't want to do a lot of socializing i guess what i want the listeners to know is don't keep screen time away from your kids don't keep the television away don't say oh my gosh they're watching the same youtube video i don't understand why they're getting something from that like there's no reason they're going to watch it over and over again if they're not getting something whether it's Um, Self-regulating because of the visual stimulus, whether it's auditory regulating, whether it's I'm pulling vocabulary or learning how to say or use things, it's got a real benefit. It's important.
0: And while we're, and I promise to steer the conversation back to younger kids, Mm -hmm. but while we're on the topic of sort of preteens and teenagers, Mm -hmm. one of the issues I see Mm -hmm. with them is... You'll be out, let's say, at a meal or a social event or some sort of family gathering, mm-hmm. and they're just on their phone, on their iPad. They're not socializing. Now, one of the reasons for that is socializing takes work, especially for autistic kids. Mm-hmm. And there's only but so much you can put in. But one of the concerns I have is it's like a muscle. If you're not exercising it at all, mm-hmm. they're not going to develop the appropriate social skills mm-hmm. you don't develop good social skills in my opinion being someone who as an autistic person went mm-hmm. like high school autistic people you don't develop good social skills online mm-hmm. you just don't mm-hmm. what you end up is you end up online with a bunch of other people who don't have any social skills mm-hmm. and that does not translate well to real life when you have to go get a girlfriend you don't know i have several friends who have that issue including, including myself as well when you have to actually talk to a girl, you know, in real life, mm-hmm. or a partner in real life, you don't know how to do it because you, your socialization was taught online. Mm-hmm. When you have to go to a job interview, mm-hmm. you don't know because your socialization was taught online. Exactly. When you have to try to make friends in college and network, because I don't care what your major is, but your major is going to be useless unless you're rich and your mommy and daddy knows someone, mm-hmm. or you network. You no. don't know how to do it because you were taught how to socialize online. Yes. So how can we find that balance of they're not just constantly on their computers Mm -hmm. socializing online I socializing with air quotes and you find a way to get them to actually teach them how to have at least passable social skills in real life Mm -hmm. because i still think that's a necessity
1: yes so i'm gonna i'm gonna push back on that just a teeny bit but i want to talk about going out to dinner whether your child's autistic or not autistic Children do not enjoy going out to dinner. They have no desire to sit at a table for 30, 45 minutes to talk about stuff, right? Kids want to eat and play, eat and play. So I think it is appropriate and reasonable to have technology to keep them busy because you're not going out to dinner for them. You're going out to dinner because the adults want to go out to dinner. Children don't enjoy going out to dinner. That's an adult activity, right? But they're dragged along because we have a society where we eat dinner. Now, what I'm going to push back on is, I agree with you in terms of you have to teach how to do job interviews, you have to teach how to do all these things. However, we live in a world right now where people are dating online, people are working from home and never have to go to the office and start their own business. People are doing coding and never having to do any contact with human beings and making a living. So it's a good time to be (laughs) autistic and immersed in technology. If you have a skill set that you can do from home. That's the big thing. And this is a topic for for another podcast. But if
0: if you're not, if you're only, most autistic people are not actually tech geniuses. Mm -hmm. As you know, that's a stereotype. Yes. So... Most jobs do involve some social interaction, mm-hmm. and like playing like Call of Duty, for example, it's mm-hmm. a popular game. Mm-hmm. It's a it's basically a, a war shoot 'em up. Mm-hmm. For I use Call of Duty because their online chat is notorious for it's basically a bunch of people just screaming racial epithets. Like it's notorious for that. That's not if your kid is learning socialization mm-hmm. by calling people the N word yeah, and various misogynistic it. things. Yes. They're not going to suddenly learn how, that's not, it's going to carry over because if there's no balance, they're not in a club Mm -hmm. in real life. They're not learning how to actually talk normally. They're learning how to speak COD.
1: Yes. Which brings me to a good point in terms of parents have got to learn some tech savvy. One parent, and if either parent is not tech savvy, you need to bring in a relative or a friend because you need to know what your kids are looking at. You need to know how to put security on there. You need to know what your kids are looking at. And so, and there's ways to set so that the screens go off. There's ways to set the iPad to go off on a timer. There's ways to block so they can only use certain apps. We do this all the time in the classroom. It takes work to set it up, but once it's set up, then it's perfectly fine. So, I guess a long story short, you have to parent. You have to like parent. You have to actually parent and do the work so that your screen time can be used in a way that is beneficial i'm not saying every moment of screen time has to be purposeful everybody deserves to have just blow off time to look at pinterest or youtube or whatever you want to look at if you want to watch videos of people opening boxes of toys go ahead float your boat whatever makes you brings you joy but screen time is so beneficial the ipad alone you could literally do an entire homeschool from pre-k to high school prepared for college All on the iPad if you know how to use the apps, how to find the right apps, and how to use the iPad. The iPad is a beautiful tool. People just don't think about using it for anything except for scrolling the internet and checking Facebook. Like, technology, in fact, it actually irritates me when people have an iPad and they don't do anything with it, but check Facebook and
0: scroll. Because you can do that on your phone. Yes, you can. You can can doom scroll on your phone.
1: The iPad is amazing.
0: And the final thing, which is related to what we were saying, is... One of my other concerns is there's a lot of bad influences mm-hmm. yes. online mm-hmm. that could affect especially impressionable young boys, yes. in particular due to recent events in the news mm-hmm. that I'm sure many of you have heard about. How do you prevent basically brainwashing, recruiting, mm-hmm. things like that?
1: You have to be on top of it um, in terms of a parent. So, and it's a lot of work. I mean, I had two teenagers, and of course, I'm thankful I don't have them now because there's so many more apps. I can't keep up with it but you have to check their technology every night. You have to look and see what their history is. You have to talk to your kids, honestly, about what they shouldn't be looking at. Kids are gonna be kids, right? The thing that's interesting is, kids are so much more savvy on technology than the parents are, so they're able to like, go around the security (laughs) and figure out how to do things. You just gotta stay on top of it. I mean, I've caught my boys, you know, doing things. They went to their friend's house. They were not allowed to get a Facebook profile, right? went to their friend's house and did a Facebook profile. You know how I knew they did a Facebook profile? I was watching their friend's profile. And when their friend's profile liked their profile and they came home, I said, oh, I see that you have a Facebook profile. how'd you figure it out? I've been watching and I've been watching from your friend's perspective, right? Now that took a lot of work, a lot of time. I keep saying somebody needs to start a business where they track your kids' technology and what they're doing on their phone and their stuff and give you reports on a daily basis because they would make a killing. Parents don't have time to do it. And they don't know how to do it. So it would be really beneficial for
0: people to be able to do that. What worries me about that, and none of, I'm not worried that any of our listeners would do this, mm-hmm. but one of the concerns about all that tracking mm-hmm. is, how can I say this? It could be used by parents against their kids if, let's say, they identify as part of the LGBT community Mm -hmm. and they're following sources like that Mm -hmm. and you get a parent who's like a hardcore evangelical Mm -hmm. and is then using that against them. Mm -hmm. So that heavy sort of tracking concerns me a little bit. Yes. Because it can be used the wrong way.
1: But those kids know their parents are tracking them, so guess what they're going to do? Look that stuff up on your friend's phone.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) If you're smart and savvy. Fair enough. Also, if you're watching... If you're looking, especially if you have teenage kids, that's yeah. usually teenage boys, and you're looking at their browser history, they probably haven't figured out how to use incognito yet. Yeah, that that they don't automatically know how to do this. So just just be prepared. Yes, y'all know what I mean. Yes, yes. Don't freak out. Just yes. be prepared.
1: A natural thing for kids to be curious. Before we used to have magazines. Yeah. Now if we that's have the easy only access. thing coming,
0: if that's the only thing coming up on their search history, consider yourself lucky. Like that is the least of your problems.
1: I, I think that, I think that the key is parents have to communicate openly with their kids and they have to be aware of what their kids are doing. You can't just say, here's technology and I don't want to be bothered and I can go watch three movies because my kids are entertained on their technology. That's not parenting. Parenting is work. It's a lot of work. And with technology, it's an extra layer of work.
0: I did want to bring that up though. Technology, I think we mentioned this earlier, mm-hmm. can be used as a way to give parents a respite, mm-hmm. and not every like most parents, most people can't just go 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 yeah. go. That sounds me snap my fingers. That I, I don't think it's a bad thing using it. Is how how can you you how can you utilize that to give yourself a spell mm-hmm. yes. without effectively just. No holds bar, yep. Just using it to parent as opposed to using it to give you a break here yep. and there.
1: I totally understand. So this is what I usually tell my parents. Um, let's say when they're on school break, right? It's like the kids are home. It's a lot of hours to fill, right? Sometimes the weather's not conducive. Sometimes we can't go outside. So I tell parents, it's okay to give them extra screen time during those days because you can only sustain doing something and engaging for so long as a parent right so if you feel like you need two hours break what do you think will be good for them to do to us you want to give them two hours on gaming two hours on whatever it is that that they like to do on their technology let them watch a movie or whatever it is your kids like every kid is different so i don't think it is a bad thing for parents to use technology to get a for lack of a better term a break right you just shouldn't be doing that every day all day right? Like every day, all day, like that's a problem because that means you're not structuring your routine and you should be doing some stuff with your kids that are not like just everybody's in their separate space. Nothing drives me crazy. And I shouldn't say this, but I'm just going to say it because it's just my opinion. When I watch HGTV and parents are looking for a new home and everybody's talking about family time, family time. And then they're like, oh, we need a big house so everybody can have their own space in their own room. I'm like, so you bought a house so everybody can divvy up and go in their own space. What's the point? What is the point? So now everybody's in their room, dad's in his cave, mom's in her craft room. All the kids have their own room. No one's communicating with anyone. And you wonder why we're having all of these problems. No, it shouldn't be that way. You need to have some time where you're actually, even if you do screen time together, like there are games that you can play. You can do Scrabble together on the iPad. So I think it's a matter of...
0: The thing is, I don't want to actually engage with my kids.
1: Well, then that's a whole nother podcast uh,
0: topic. Like, I don't like them.
1: (laughs) That's a whole nother topic. I guess what I want listeners to know is screen time is not bad, right? It's not bad. And I don't, I don't, because it really breaks my heart when parents feel bad that they've been allowing their kid to use the iPad And they know they've been learning from it, right? But then the therapist says, oh, they can't use the iPad. I'm like, no, that's not true. That's not true. Now, that there is a a sort of stipulation. If kids are going to use technology for communication, we try to make it a separate device because you need to have it distinguished
0: from this is your communication device. I was actually about to ask that in, 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 in a couple minutes, but I'll bring it up now. If, let's say you need to do that hard reset. Mm-hmm. How would you go about that if the device is also being used for communication? And also, that's a financial constraint, having yes. two different iPads. Apple, i we say iPads, we mean any sort of tablet. Mm-hmm. I just want to make that clear, by yes. the way. I'm meaning any sort of tablet. Yes. But a lot of people go with iPads because, or some sort of Samsung tablet mm-hmm. because they can do more. Mm-hmm. The problem is those are like... Four or five, six hundred dollars. The iPads are like six, five to seven hundred bucks. Yes. Having two of them Mm -hmm. involves a certain amount of—I hate to use the word—but privilege. Yes. Because that's a crap ton of money. Yes. So, what do you do? Let's say you're a parent who does have one device, and that device is not only what the child uses for like YouTube and stuff, Mm -hmm. but that's also their communication, or at least part of their communication. Mm -hmm. How can you do a hard reset in those situations?
1: So one of the things that you can do is sometimes you can get an old phone that's a larger phone. That can be their communication device or that can be their leisure device, right? And what if the kid freaks
0: out because of the change?
1: You prep them for the change. You use visuals. You can make a social story. You can let them know the change is coming. Kids are fine. Everybody makes adjustments, right? I'm not saying that change is not difficult, but change is harder when you're not ready for it. So when you prep kids for it, then you're ready for it. The other thing is, Torn, you're right. The having two tablets or having all those things is a lot. Um, but that's where parents have got to use their resources. There are there are nonprofits that donate. There are your insurance company you can go through, you can ask your school, you can, there's all kinds of groups that will contribute, donate, or you can qualify to get a communication device for your child. You just have to do the work. Um, And sometimes it requires paperwork, but a lot of families get it. There's, There's a whole thing on Facebook where there's a group where kids can sign up and get their device. So what do I say? Where there's a will, there's a way. If you really, really think it's important, and that's, you know, everybody's resources are different. However, there's stuff out there. There is so, there's so many things out there. You just have to know where to look and just try to look. Ask your child's therapist. Ask the teacher. Ask another parent. Hey, how'd you get that iPad? I, or just use Google. Well, the other thing is this. I've learned that a lot of people struggle with Google. I do too, actually. Because it's like being fed
0: with a fire hose.
1: You know, it's funny because I did not understand why people struggle with Google. And then my best friend explained it to me. And I was like, oh, I didn't know people were struggling with that. So now I get that other perspective. But one of the other, thing, the other things that I tell parents is tell people who say what does your child want for what is you know let's say the kid's name is mary what does mary want for her birthday what does mary want for christmas tell them we're trying to get her a device so can you contribute this or gift cards from amazon right or apple gift cards tell people what you need so you don't get stuff you don't need. And then you can get the technology. Just what I
0: needed. Another pair of socks. Oh,
1: gosh. Or, you know, a lot of times family gets, like, you know, toys that your child doesn't play with. Like, don't get them that. Tell people what you need. A lot of times relatives really want to do something. They don't know what they can do to help. Tell them your kid needs an iPad. Four relatives can put together and get your kid an iPad for
0: communication. That, that's a really good point. And so another question I have. Is so recently I was talking to a friend of mine. We're both adults. He's I think he's thirty or he's going to turn thirty this year. Like so, we're old. Mm-hmm. Like we, we wake up in the morning, our backs hurt. We need a mm-hmm. can to get around. And he was saying how he's under a lot of stress right now. He's busy with work. So mm-hmm. he works. He works part time. He also works uh, part time as a commission artist. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of art pieces that we do. He has a lot of extra hours at work. There's a lot of stuff going on with his home life. So he's very stressed. And he's mentioned how he's like, I need to manage time better. I'm spending too much time playing video games. I got to do that less. Mm-hmm. And what I mentioned to him is, for him, when he plays video games, that is how he self-regulates. Mm-hmm. That's how he keeps himself from just melting the blade mm-hmm. down. So I said, no, you don't need to cut that. You don't need to cut that out. If you're doing it more, it's because you're already over Yes. So... A lot of times, you'll see increased want of screen time. Mm-hmm. It's because they're overtasked. They're overtaxed. How do you manage that? How do you identify that? And how do you manage something like that without just spoiling them or yeah. breaking boundaries? Yada yada yada. Of
1: course. Um, well, if you know your child, if you understand their sensory system, and if you know what's going on at school, because school can be overwhelming, so that's where you have that communication with the child's teacher. Um, In terms of, you know, maybe there were some assemblies or maybe there were, I don't know, uh, something different happening at the school. Or maybe it's like the week where there's just a lot of stuff going on in the classroom and they participated, so they may need more time. I think it um, it is understandable when... A child is overwhelmed and needs to come home and just check out from engaging with people, right? Totally understand just like
0: you do when you come home from work and you get on your phone or you turn on the TV or you go on YouTube and you don't want to be bothered. Yes, exactly. So
1: once again, if you have boundaries, if you have your family rules, if you have the guidelines you have set beforehand it's easier to go back and forth if they need more time or less time. It really is because there's that, what do I always say? There's that trust in the relationship that they know you're not going to take it away. Um, and I really I just get so frustrated when parents take away technology for a meltdown or whatever it is that they take away because sometimes they just need that. And sometimes they may need it, like you said, for three days in a row. They may need to just over-obsess in... Their technology, and then they won't need it as long anymore. We all do that. What do people do during the holidays? You binge watch Netflix, right? People say that all the time. I binge watch on Netflix all weekend long. Why?
0: Wait, people only do that during the holidays. Well, I think they do
1: it <laughs> on other times as well. But um, I think I just want—I want listeners to know that technology screen time, whether it's a tablet, whether it's a computer, whether it is um, television, YouTube. It has a purpose. You just need to understand the purpose. You need to set boundaries and you need to um, have it, um, have guidelines around how they can use it. And you need to monitor, like you need to know what they're watching. And if you're not tech savvy, get someone who is.
0: I still worry that people who are learning communication through online How can you ensure that you're preparing them for real-world communication? Ah, Good question. They're
1: not just learning online. They're getting a foundation. But when they're not on technology, we're going to build on that foundation.
0: So how will we do that?
1: So for kids who pull scripts from, have you ever seen that movie, Um, oh my gosh, Life Animated? Life Animated? I
0: don't watch movies. Oh my my gosh, it's
1: so good. So Life Animated, it's an older movie and it is like a documentary about this director. His son's autistic. He realizes that his son watches Disney movies over and over and over again. Then he realizes he's actually using lines from the Disney movie to communicate to them. So then the dad starts to communicate to him in Disney movies. And then they end up building this back and forth communication And then they end up expanding it into other stuff. And now he communicates just fine in terms of an autistic person verbally. Sometimes he doesn't have access to his words, but he is able to communicate. So what they did was they used what worked for him and then they just expanded it outside and generalized it into something that not just the parents could understand, but that other people can understand. And that's how you do it. You have to, you have to use that as the foundation and then say, oh, are you trying to say this? And then the kids are like, oh, and every time you say that they'll, eventually they start picking up the phrase that it is. One of the examples is one of my kids, I can't remember what, this little boy says something about um, get shoes, right? So get shoes means I want to go to the park. Get shoes means I want to go in the backyard. Get shoes means I want to go to the store, right? When he wants to go out of the house, it's get shoes. Because what do we do when we go out of the house? We always have to put our shoes on. So mom is picked up on, get shoes means that. So she has a visual, he's four, she has a visual where when he says get shoes, she has park outside, I mean, car, park, and backyard. So he picks the choice and then he says park. And she says, you want to go to the park? And he's like, park, please. So then eventually what's happening is now he'll say get shoes and she'll show the visual and say, which do you want? I want to go to the park. Because she modeled it, she modeled the one. She modeled the sentence that he wanted to say. Because he knows what he wants to say. He wants to say, "I want to go to the park." The words don't come out. Get shoes comes out. So that's how we get it. So they're not just learning it on technology. We're bringing it out of technology. They're just getting a foundation.
0: No, I really like that a lot. And honestly, I think we should probably bring this in just because that's an awesome place to sort of bringing this to a close. Do you mm-hmm. have anything else you'd like to add?
1: No, I don't. I just want people to know that technology is beneficial. The other, you know what I will add? Technology is a job skill. That's what I will say. It's a job skill in what today's world. If you cannot use technology, you cannot get a job. Fair Applications enough. are online. Um, you have to have keyboarding skills. You have to be able to use technology and understand. And so when you take that away from kids, they are not prepared for the workforce.
0: I think a counter argument to that, once again, play devil's advocate Mm -hmm. is you have to monitor what they're doing because just playing video games isn't going to give them that job skill. You have to make sure that at least some of their time is being spent productively learning these skills. Because like you said, it is a great driver, Mm -hmm. but my concern is someone who's worked with kids, someone who's been around a lot of autistic kids. Is you gotta make sure that it's being used properly. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, if you don't monitor this stuff, yeah, they're just gonna play video games and they're gonna learn communication via racial epithets and misogyny. Well, this is what I will say.
1: When my boys were little and I said, you can't play, but you can't get a job doing video games. Well, now you can. Now you can make a lot of money playing games on video. I mean, video games. There are gamers that make a lot of money.
0: Yeah, that is that. that you are right. That is one. thing. We used to say you can't get a job doing that. Well, now you can. not Now you can make a living, make six of figures, course, just playing video games. Of course, games. of
1: course, of course. All right, so you I gotta guess, have a
0: personality, though. That's the part. That's the part they don't say. You gotta be able to play the video games while speaking. Oh yes, like, and be entertaining. Oh
1: yeah, there is definitely a skill set to it. So I think that. You and I are in agreement that technology is not bad, screen time is okay, it just needs to be monitored, boundaries need to be set, and you need to use it with purpose, but then also allow
0: leisure time just like all of us need. Exactly. Oh, and one thing I'd like to add, mm-hmm. I almost forgot this, which I'm actually very happy because generally how we do these recordings are, we finish up, and I remember <laughs> like 15 minutes more of material that I, that I was like, <laughs> damn, that would have been perfect, So I actually remembered something. When we were talking about Mm self-regulation, autistic people aren't the only people who need to self-regulate. Regular people do too. So when it comes to parents, oftentimes parents will try to set boundaries Mm -hmm. and when they become stressed, Mm -hmm. they first of all, they won't know when they're sort of reaching their own personal Mm -hmm. limit. Then they'll go over that limit and then they're just like, screw it. Just take the laptop and leave me alone. Take the iPad and leave me alone. Because once you're past that limit, you don't have the energy to, do to set yeah. those boundaries anymore. Yes. So it's very important to not fight through that period when it happens. Mm-hmm. It's important to, A, set the boundaries early. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to do as much work enforcing them. Exactly. And B, know when you're approaching your limit. Because once you do, everything's going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. That's when you're they're just going to have the, the iPad for eight hours. Yeah. Because you just can't be bothered. Yeah. It's and then that causes a snowball effect and yada, yada, yada. So it's very important to manage your own spoons, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, especially because so many parents end up being neurodivergent themselves. Mm -hmm. So, turns out they're operating with the same sort of brain wiring as their kid.
1: Yep. And the reality of it is, if a child needs to spend hours and hours each day on technology to self-regulate, that means their sensory needs are not being met at all. If you're
0: spending hours and hours a day on technology to self-regulate, that means your needs aren't being met either. Exactly. That's a very good point. Yes, exactly.
1: So... This was a good conversation.
0: This is fun. This is really fun. I'm gonna be honest with y'all. At first, I didn't want to do it because I told Stacy we mean to record this for a while. I'm just like, this, this just doesn't do it for me. This, this doesn't. This, this doesn't. Like, I'm someone who I like big controversial things. I like stuff that I can get animated over. I'm basically a shock jock because I don't actually know what the hell I'm talking about. So my thing is just being sarcastic Mm-mm. and just spewing stuff into the void that is my contribution to this podcast but this ended up being really fun and the reason I agreed to do it is because Stacy mentioned that a lot of parents were asking about it mm-hmm, a and lot. I really hope and I think it will help a lot of people mm-hmm. and of course whenever I get to do it live since this is the first time we've ever met in person I know we get to do it live hopefully next time we'll have a more professional setup we'll be in a sketchy hotel room <laughs> we'll have more than one mic it will actually feel like professional but Unlike most autistic people, I actually don't have tech skills mm-hmm. at all whatsoever. Like, you're lucky you've gotten this much this far. Yeah. So, but Stacy, that is why we're working to... Shift
1: the narrative on everything autism.
0: See ya! If you'd like to help marginalize youth receive access to books and other learning materials, often inaccessible in many parts of the country please consider buying the VQ Library of Coffee at Kofi. Link in the description.